Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. what they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away they say lots of things what else do they say chad on players club what else, what else do they say we're here we chad are here Ron. um we are here. here and it, it is the players club we got orlando franklin now how are you guys doing nice and lathered, lathered up from three hours on the morning show yeah, just you getting out. used to that thing? Because this was day four in a row now. Day four in a row. Um, yeah, five hours of radio straight. But you know what? I can use the reps. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will tell you this. Had I known, like I said, had I known and really was paying attention to the family calendar, and I realized that my son's first day of school would have fell in this week, I probably would have said no to this uh, a couple weeks ago and yeah. not did the morning show. But you're a champ. You pulled through, and here you are, Chad Brown. Here I am. Here you are, and I am here as well, Nate Jackson. I was the only one uh, among this group at practice yesterday. <sighs> are you? Are, what's wrong, man? Why are you signing? One of the cool kids gets to watch practice and have to do the show. Well, I just happened to be on the drive yesterday, so I didn't want DMAC to be the only guy who was watching it. Right. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. had to have eyes on it as well. And um, there was a lot of muggles out there. It was um, a friends and family day, so there were no fans but there were a lot of fans, but they weren't like, you know, Broncos fans. They were like corporate sponsor people. Right. James Merrillat had a problem with that, if you might, as you might guess. But I think it's a, a fair legitimate problem to have such an important practice that the hardcore Bronco fans would know about. And then to see, oh, no fans allowed. But you know, those fans are allowed because they pay money. Well, they were fans. But they, they're not me. Right. You you, you right. give this preferred treatment to these other people. I've been an Abe's Bronco season ticket holder for 45 years in my family. Just because I don't have a billboard up in the stadium, I can't go watch the scrimmage, Broncos. Mm. So the, I understand where James is coming from. And those fans who may feel that way, I understand where they are coming from. I hate it when I've been a subscriber to Sports Illustrated for the last 50 years and someone else gets the free uh, Warriors hat because they won a championship. How come I don't get one? I've been a subscriber and my whole life. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yes. I, thought I make a great point. <laughs> that's what I do. I'm Chad Brown. Um, I was at the airport um, last week, and I saw a Sports Illustrated. The Sports Illustrated uh, Swimsuit Edition was fifteen ninety nine. Wow. That's pretty expensive. It's Yeah, that's what, mag- that's what those magazines cost nowadays. It didn't used to cost that much. No. I used to subscribe to Sports Illustrated, and that was one of the happiest days when that edition <laughs> came. Uh-huh. Um, I used to cut, them, cut out the the ones I liked the most and put them on my wall. Nice. Did you guys do anything like that? I put them on the inside of my closet door. I know my, my mother didn't want to be confronted with <laughs> that all the time. inside of the closet Hold door. on, you were subscribed to Sports Illustrated what, like... As a kid. As a kid? Yeah. You, oh, nice. Man, I was a sports awesome. fan, man. I was a sports fan. Like, I wasn't just a, well, a an athlete. I was a 49er fan. I was a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Yeah. I was a Warriors fan and I got Sports Illustrated. Nice. That's super cool, man. Yeah. And uh, the sports that also- just didn't happen in, in my household. <laughs> where, 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 did you follow sports like I that? I followed sports, but 
I mean, I guess I'm asking this question: like, who, who paid for it? Would mom and dad paid for the subscription, or like, did Nate like have a summer job that no. was paying for this thing? It was not. It was not expensive back then. But yeah, yeah. my parents paid for it. I mean, it was like yeah. a gift. My parents were both public school teachers. It wasn't like, hey, man, whatever you want, son, you can yeah. have it. But um, no, my dad read it as well. My dad was a sports fan. Nice. So, okay. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was affordable. Back mm-hmm. then, for sure, for our family. But um, I believe I had to cough up some allowance for it. Yeah. Well, I'm not coughing yeah. up, but like, okay, I will forego Forfeit some of the yeah. two months of allowance to help you pay for this subscription kind of thing. Yeah, my mom was not a sports fan, yeah. and you know, it, it wasn't in the cards, right? Yeah, there just wasn't allowance. Allowance wasn't in the cards, and Sports Illustrated wasn't going to be in the cards either. Well, I was out there practice yesterday, guys, and um, I saw some good things. I saw some bad things. But I, but I just wanted to run this by you guys because energetically it was a little lower than I than I would have thought, and it seemed as if and Sean and we're going to get into this um, this idea from Sean Payton about actually let's just hear from Sean right away about his thoughts on the offense yesterday. It's not what I'm hoping to see on film today. It's what I'm hoping to see tomorrow. Then the corrections. Uh, I thought on the offensive field where I was, we had too many false starts. I thought we tired pretty quickly. They were going a lot of plays relative to maybe what they're used to and, and even more than than a real game would present. But I think it's good from a conditioning standpoint. You know, mentally, there's some mental toughness that's required to play. Poise, all those things required to, not to play, but to play well and to win. You know, the thing that I noticed was that they were tired. The conditioning seemed to be an issue for some of the receivers, some of the skill position guys. And I, and I wanted to get you guys' take as to why that is. These guys ran a – they've been, they've been uh, you know, conditioning after practice. They came here five weeks early, were running and lifting. Why would a team like the Rams, who comes from sea level, be in better shape and better prepared to meet the moment than the Broncos, who've been running? The way that you go about practice. You know, a lot's been said about the Broncos, 4-4-4. Four, four, four. If you're Russell Wilson, you're only going out there every single day and it's only four plays. You know, you're not working on that condition and aspect. The only way to get in football shape is to play football. I don't care how much sprints you're running or after practice. We've all played football and we, or what would we do? We would sit there and go through those mat drills in the, in the springtime and get ready for training camp. And then in the summer, you're running your butt off and then you put that helmet on and you're, you're gassed. So I think it's the way that you went about practice. And yesterday they, they ramped up the reps. They weren't taking four, four, four in each and every period. And it showed. Yeah, I thought, you know, with the day off, essentially the day before the walkthrough in the bubble, Sean Payton had given his team the absolute best chance for success. Their legs wouldn't be heavy during this joint practice session. Um, but I think it goes back to what I was talking about. Unless you are doing, you know, eight plays every single period where your stamina is now going to be built up in that process, the four, four, four. Uh, does not serve you so well. It allows you to get equal reps and everybody a chance to make the team and show what they can do. And so as a football coach, you're constantly balancing, you know, how do I build up my roster versus how do I get my ones ready to go? And I think Sean Payton, uh, the evidence will now have to be I've got to shift to get my ones ready to go because those guys weren't ready to go to your point yesterday. So to me, it's a little more complex than the, just the four four four. It's the way that they structure practice. Like you guys have gone out to practice and and they don't even start doing nothing until after eleven. Yeah, they start practice at ten, but the the, the real stuff doesn't happen until like eleven fifteen, and then there's like thirty or forty minutes of that, and that's it. Now the Rams clearly are on a different type of schedule, and and yesterday they ramped it up earlier. 
the practices I'm used to doing with the Shanahan way, we would we would be going full speed within the first thirty minutes of practice. Mm. You know, we we would have like a fifteen. So, do you not count the like seven on seven and one on ones and um, for like the O line, D line, and and wide receivers, DBs? Yeah, I count that, but it's it's taking them to eleven o'clock to even do that. Yeah, around here. I mean, the first hours they do the fifty play walkthrough thing Mm. that they do at the on the first hour. And they they don't start stretching until after they've done like forty or fifty walkthrough plays. Mm-hmm. I think that that affected them. Um, but so, how would you approach a, a poor practice? I'm going to get into the nuts and bolts of what it looked looked like. And but how, Chad, as a coach, how would you uh, approach maybe a lackluster effort? Not effort, but practice. You know what? Uh, it's such a detailed answer. I'm going to give you. We're going to do that after the break. <laughs> Next. Admitting VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Stepping up. Stepping up. Stepping up. Stepping up. Open for me. Here comes Rasta. It's a little steel pulse stylings for your eardrums on a Thursday morning. You know, there's a lot of teachable moments in life, and especially on a football field, because everything you do is getting videotaped. And so after you do it, the coaches go up and watch it, and then they make their notes, and then they gather everyone together, and then they play it for you, and they tell you where you screwed up. And it seems like there was probably a good amount of that yesterday. Sean Payton talked about uh, it's not what happened today. It's it's about what's going to happen tomorrow, what kind of corrections we're going to make. But, Chad, uh, before the break, you said you have a detailed answer when it comes to how you would approach improving for day two as a joint practice type of coach. How would that go for you? I was just saying that. I don't have a detailed answer. Uh, no, don't? no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Drop my, your book on the table my, and tell my, us what you're going to do. My first thing is, I don't think you can just dismiss yesterday's result. I know you want to see how your football team responds when they get punched in the mouth. I think every coach is like, it's, it's not what happens, it's how you respond to what happens. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yes, but you still want to start fast. You still want to start well. You still don't want to get punched in the mouth. You know, uh, I, I love the... So is that the loser's lament? Uh, I, I won't say it's that, but it's what you say as a coach when you got punched in the mouth. How are we going to respond? Uh, but I, I, I love the NFL Films clip of Bill Cowher. He's breaking down a kickoff team huddle, and he tells them, let's go out and punch them in the mouth first. Mm. That needs to be your attitude as a football player. So whether it's, you know, due to the practice schedule and the walkthrough that doesn't get you ramped up to ready to go, uh, or it's just a more of a a culture and a mentality thing where you haven't been the team that's confident, that's eager, that's willing to go out and, and punch somebody in the mouth instead of dipping your toe into the water. However that needs to change, that needs to change. Yes, I want you to be able to respond every single time as a football team, but I want, still want you to punch them in the mouth first, and I want you to punch them hard mm-hmm. and not wait to see what how they react before you go for your second and third and fourth punch. Yeah, I just like to see a team that's ready, right? A team that physically, mentally, doesn't matter who you put in front of them, they're going to start fast. So many times coaches talk about start fast. And then when you have like a day off or a walkthrough, they're always complaining, talking about, oh, you guys are not practicing hard, all these different things. 
I think the Broncos had a unique opportunity yesterday and they really squandered it because you could have kind of changed the perception of your whole entire football team by going out there and starting fast as a football team and being the team that brings the physicality to that football field, not kind of waiting around and seeing what's going to happen. Now, I don't think today's a wasted day, or I think you could learn a lot about this football team, but it would have been nice to see them go out there yesterday and take the intensity to that Rams team. You guys remember what the main issue with this Broncos offense was last year, or the most embarrassing part of it was? Uh, there was a lot of things. Uh, the most embarrassing part? Yeah. Can't get a play in? Yeah. I would think, yeah. like, right? Like penalties. Taking, yeah. Pre-snap. pre-snap penalties? Had more of those yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And, that, wow. and Sean Payton was, was referred to him when he was speaking, and uh, guys jumping off sides, um, couldn't get lined up. So that's still an issue. Is there? Have you seen a punishment for a pre-snap penalty? Like you know, like someone pulling out a like a like hitting a guy or something. Like what no, do you mean? no. I've More seen like, him like take out, out a guy. Here. Like I've seen him take out Alberto. That's like Alberto, assault, brother. Alberto jumped outside. I've seen Sean Payton grab him out and like, hey, you're out. Hey, Nate Atkins, you go in or somebody else go in. I've seen okay. that. I've been on teams where you know the offense false starts and jumps off sides. Take a lap. Go. Mm. Go right now. Just run. Just go. Take yeah. a lap and come right back. And we're, we're going to. We're know. all just going to wait for yeah. you. Yes. Or, or the twos are going to jump in. Or whatever. the twos will jump in. Or yeah. we'll wait and watch you run. And you better run fast and come right back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the Shanahan, the Shanahan era, they would there would be a guy who marked down every guy who jumped off, and then after practice they would call those guys up and they had to run. Okay. So it wouldn't be as as like as much of a public display, but you would get punished. Okay. After the fact. Mm-hmm. Um. So in addition to the to the pre-snap penalties, the offsides, and that comes from being tired, forgetting what the snap count is, mm-hmm. you know, not comp- keeping that all compartmentalized, right? right? Mm-hmm. But 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 Jerry Judy in particular had the dropsies. Yeah. He dropped probably four balls, some really good passes by Russell Wilson. I know some folks, uh, someone on the text line saying it's, you know, Russell, 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 Russell. But to me, Russell Wilson looked good yesterday, guys. Russell Wilson was throwing the ball with a lot of velocity. Maybe that was why some of his boys were dropping the ball. But um, And it wasn't just Jerry Judy dropping the passes. Uh, Mark West Calloway had a big drop. Um, Kendall Hinton had a drop. Cortland Sutton had a drop. Here's Sean Payton talking about on just the amount of drop passes. They come from fatigue. They come from concentration. And at some point, they, they got to go away or... You know, periodically, I've had really good receivers that might drop a pass early in a game, and then you wouldn't see it again. Marcus Colston, once in a blue moon, would have an early drop, and then he'd always exit the sideline, like wherever I was. But then he'd come back and you know catch six, fifteen balls or twelve balls. And so there was a few out. There were a few out there today, uh, a handful of different players. You know, that's something that look. If your job is a receiver, you're paid to catch, and uh, it's pretty simple. Oh, Jerry Judy's had this problem for a while now. Sean Payton doesn't mince words. If he continues doing this, is there going to be repercussions for Jerry Judy? I think there has to be repercussions. You, at some point, you got to show this whole entire team that it doesn't matter if you are first-round pick, if you were the best wide receiver in the greatest wide receiver class in NFL history, right? I mean, you the best teams, in my experience, are the teams that everybody's treated the, the exact same way. And everybody has a certain amount of accountability to the football team. Now, 
Will there be always be other guys that think they're more accountable than other people? Absolutely. You have your try-hard guys and guys that, look at me, coach, and hey, coach, you're screaming and hollering after the big hit because they want all the eyes on them. Or the Whatever. guy who asked the question that he knows the answer to. Yeah. He's just being, hey, coach, on this one, we're supposed to do, do this, this. Yeah, you got it right, so buddy. Good you're, job. You're going to have the those guys, and are. those are the guys that are more accountable. But I think that with a whole entire football team, there has to be a certain level of accountability. And I think when you look at a guy like Jerry Judy, he's been beneath that level of accountability to the Denver Broncos so far, thus his career. Chad, yes. what would you do for a guy like Jerry Judy? You're a coach, man. How do you stop? How do you get through to him? Um, or is this, or does he just have bad hands? I don't think Jerry Judy's got a great set of hands. Uh, we often see him, even on balls where he catches, he's double clutching it. It's not just a smooth, not soft hands where the ball just sticks right in there. You know, and you, you know exactly what I'm talking about as a former receiver. And I, you know, I caught the ball in high school and played tight end. And, and so you were yeah. all what CIF tight end? All, all CIF for the four snaps you were in. You, you crushed it at tight end. I was decent. No. Um, so I just don't think it's, it's a natural thing for Jerry Judy. So what do you do in that situation where you have this guy who's got the wide receiver skill set, but the most critical part of it is, you know, he's not a nine out of ten. I, don't, I wouldn't even say his hands are an eight out of ten. He's probably seven out of ten hands wise. Um, so. Yeah, I suppose it's up to your wide receiver coach. What kind of ball drills can we work? What can we do with our quarterbacks? And you start to try to go to as deep down the rabbit hole as possible to improve this guy's hands. But he, at this point, it's kind of a done deal. I'm not sure if there's a way, once you're to the point in Jerry Judy's career, where you can, as a coach, greatly affect how this guy catches a football. What about as a defensive player, if, if there's a guy like that that you're playing against, are you are you in his grill about it? Are you talking to oh. him? Are you letting him know he's going to drop the next ball? Absolutely. I'm in your head all day because I know this is a thing for you. I've seen how one drop pass for you turns into two, turns into three, turns into four. I've seen it on tape. I've seen it for multiple years. So absolutely, I'm getting in your head and I'm trying to not plant. I'm going to plant that seed. I'm going to water that seed. I'm going to fertilize that seed in your head all game long. And I'm going to tell you, in a critical moment, you're going to drop it. Watch. Watch you. Watch. Watch. Yes. Would that work? I mean, were you an effective poop talker out there, Chuck? Uh, I or did that take you out of your game? No, it didn't take me out of my game. I wanted to create, a, create doubt in my opponent's mind. I wanted to begin to slowly acknowledge what I was saying was true. To tell an offensive tackle the first play of the game, I know you're scared. I know you're scared. <laughs> You gotta be scared, man. I saw how you played last week on tape. You've gotta be afraid. And you know, maybe the first nap he's not. Second quarter, maybe not. Third and fourth quarter, now that doubt's scared now. Yes. And I'm telling him, all right, that fourth quarter sack is coming up. That strip sack is coming up. I can't believe I'm gonna do that to you. Watch. It's coming. This power of affirmation. Yes. <laughs> what about you, O? Were you were you uh, a talker or do you just like to let your, your game do the talking? Oh, my game did the talking, and that's after what I'm, the big plays, I definitely did the talking as well, right? Did you have, so. a, dude, did you have a dude like Chad who was coming off the edge and uh, talking crap to you and uh, trying to get in your head? Um, Sometimes, yeah. but I like that. Yeah. I, I like when a guy's I talking. I like this kind of party. Yeah, I like it. I mean, you know, I, I, anytime you're going to say something back and forth with me, like that, that's great. I, I hate the guy that when you're talking stuff to him, he's just sitting there and doesn't say anything back. It's like, come on, dude, are you a robot? Like... Say something, right? At some point, you're going to have to respond to me. But uh, I was 
with Chad as well. You know, going out there trying to antagonize the guy that I was going up against. You know, it's coming. Like, we're coming right here. And on certain plays, I would tell him, like, hey, we're running the ball right here, and there's nothing that you could do about it. And then we'd run the ball right there. I was like, told you. Like, we're like, what, you thought I was lying to you? But then it just sets him up for, like, later on, right, where it's, like, hard play action, and I know that I'm soloed up, and it's seven-step drop. I'm like, hey, you know, we're running the ball right here again, and there's nothing you could do about it. So he bears down and tries to stop the run, where it's like, ah, you got you. We're throwing it right now. You know, so definitely trying to play the it's game within games. the game. Yeah. yeah. We're coming right here and do that for the first two times and then the third time. We're coming right here. No, we're not. Yeah, exactly. We're out the back door. <laughs> what a gotta have a situation. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I don't like about the no fun league is how the refs are like, no, don't talk to each other. Do not talk to him. Stay away from him. Don't say a word. You know what I mean? Don't disarm me of my mental weapons, please. Well, I mean, a guy makes a big play. He's excited. Right. He's barking, but the refs are going to throw a flag on him. It changes the tenor of the game just because a guy gets excited. Mm-hmm. He gets built up all week. He's training for this. It matters to him. It's the one thing in his life he cares the most about. He makes a huge play. His emotions boil over, and you punish him for it, Chad. You punish him because he cares. I don't. You, but you, but you, you side on the side of the no Chad fun league. I'm just saying there's rules. There's rules you have to follow. You're supposed I'm to know Brown. the rules. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is the rule. Then play by the rules. Well, Sean Payton knows the rules, and we're going to hear next from him in the morning mixtape on what he likes about these joint practices. Also, Randy Gratishar finally selected as a finalist for the Hall of Fame, and Boulder continues to be the place to be. We'll do that and more in the morning mixtape. Next. The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. are bumping this song when they would step off the bus and step onto the field at Centura Health Training Center, seeing what's up to the Denver Broncos like they did yesterday. Well, here is Sean Payton talking about how why he likes joint practices. You get different looks. So you, you get used to your own team, your own defense, your own offense, and you get a whole new set of formations, defensive fronts. Obviously, you, you get a whole new set of players that do things differently. Yep, uh, all new, all around, Chad. Why is this really beneficial? I mean, can't you just wait till the season starts to do this? No, you can set up your team for the perfect situation that you need to execute. Uh, you know, Sean Payton has talked about during training camp, uh, goal, yard, uh, goal line and short yardage is not something that happens every single game versus two-minute situations happen at the end of every half um, and at the end of the ball game. So during training camp, they focused on two-minute situations. But now with a joint practice, you can schedule in goal yarn or short yardage, some work maybe that your team hasn't gotten in the preseason games. So you can be sure that you get that work in before you kick off against the Raiders. So the opportunity to script the periods, to be on the same page with the other coach, to create the situation that your football team needs specifically is the value of these joint practices. All right, and something else as well, quantity, right? I mean, you could go out there and know versus these practices, Russell Wilson's going to get 12, maybe 15 reps against another defense in the high red area. Or, you know, you know, 10 reps of coming off the goal line, right? So being able to kind of go into this knowing exactly what you're going to get out of it and know that you're going to be able to ramp it up. It's not 4-4-4 four, 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 or it's not Russell Wilson going against a defense that he's been going against since April. It's, hey, you better think on the fly and now we could get a, a, a variety of reps and, and see how you react each and every time that that defense gives you something different to look at. 
and that de- defense gave him something good to look at yesterday, and so did so did the Rams' offense. They look pretty sharp too. So we'll see if the Broncos can respond. Randy Gratishar finally, guys, selected as a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Gratishar reflecting back and grateful for being a part of the first great Broncos team and the Orange Crush defense. Here's Randy. It was just a phenomenal opportunity to be part of that first group to win win a lot of games and going to a Super Bowl and uh, bringing that recognition to the, to the state of Colorado. Guys, Randy Gratishar finally getting his due here. Um, Randy, I'm just going to read through some of it, some of his some of his stats over his his years, and it's pretty incredible. The guy had over 2,000 career tackles. Still, the Broncos' all time leader in career tackles um, was was a first time. Well, I'm sorry, a first team All Pro, five straight years, six total years. Um, 33 takeaways, tied for fourth most by an NFL linebacker during his 10-year career. He totaled 19 and a half sacks, 20 interceptions. He had three touchdowns, 13 fumble recoveries. Uh, this guy was a baller, finally gets his due. Um, why did it take so long, Chad? Uh, I think as I talked about this with Matt Smith the other day. He was also, sorry to jump on you, he was the only, he was the, he was if, out of all the Super Bowl teams ever, he yep. was, he was, the Broncos were the only ones who didn't have a single pro, I'm sorry, a Hall of Famer in that, on those teams. Yes. So he's finally going to change that. Yeah, I think there's, there's a clear East Coast bias for Hall of Fame voting. And as Adam Schefter has brought up, depending on who your presenter is, how respected, how much of an authority that presenter is considered in the room with the, all the other uh, media voters, you know, you could be stuck, as Randy Gratishar is stuck, due to nothing... Uh, to your skill set and what you did in the football field, but all this other crap that surrounds the Hall of Fame selection process. Um, so I'm happy for Randy Gratishar, but it's crazy that in the, in the past 25 years, he ain't made a single tackle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He hasn't added to those stats you ran down, but now he's a Hall of Famer at 71, and he wasn't when he retired at 34 or 35. I can't remember what year, how old he was, but it's just that the process, and particularly this for Randy Gratishar, speaks to the inefficiencies of it and the uh, bias that is inherent in this process that you know has made it a point to where Broncos have a difficult time until recently getting in. Yeah, you know, all credit to Randy Gretschar because he was able to do this and accomplish this his way. You know, he didn't want to sit there and say, "Let me go sell out. Let me go, you know, campaign or take money from other people to start these different campaigns." Or, "Hey, let me change my presenter or just go on these different radio tours and, you know, just say how much I deserve to get in and why I should be in and do the, you know, the media row type of thing." He just didn't do that. He decided when he was done playing the game of football that if he was ever worthy of this, that he was going to do it his way, and he stuck true to that. No, I know it took a long time, but at least he gets to experience this, unlike some guys that are no longer alive that get voted in after. So, super unfortunate that it's taken this long, but at least it is happening for him, and he's still alive and well. That's a really good point, and and basically that point illustrates how flawed the system is. That if you if you go on a campaign to get yourself in, then you're more likely to do it. And this guy said, "No, I'm going to let my play speak for itself." And the play, I mean, two thousand career tackles that speaks for itself, but that's not enough. You have to go jockey for it and go on the media and you know ask for it, and beg for it almost, and tell everyone who's voting on it that they're pretty, and then they'll tell you <laughs> you're in. Here's your jacket. All right, Boulder continues to be the place to be, guys. Michael Irvin was the latest big name to be out at Buffs practice, and you already know the cameras were rolling. Here's a clip of Irvin talking to the Buffs. Game day is the fun time. This is the work time. 
these practices, you got to get something out of them. When you go in, it, it, when, when I got ready to play and we got ready to play, the best way I can make sure I beat Jerry Rice is to get Deion ready. I said, let's go time. We got to work. I know you guys need you to shut down Jerry Rice. I got to get you ready right here, right now. That's what you guys should be doing. Getting each other ready. Then you'll be lucky. You'll be all. Can't wait to jump on other people. You can't wait. Wasn't nobody shutting down Jerry Rice. But when you were at Miami, did you guys have people come out and talk to you like that, like like Michael just did? I had Michael Irvin come out and talk to me just <laughs> like that when I was at the University of Miami. Having flashbacks. Um, I, I think this is really cool. I think Dion leaning into this even more creates another layer for CU up there. You know, obviously the videos gets everybody hyped and what Dion's been able to do and, you know, see you being on ESPN and Dion doing a heck of a job recruiting. But to market now to the young man that's 14 to 22 years old, I think this is an added layer. Yeah, I know that some of these 14 and 15 year old kids probably don't know who T.O. is and who um, uh, Michael Orvin is. But if you Google them, you realize that those guys played a lot of football in the NFL and had a lot of success. So now you start thinking about, man, I'm going to be able to get that coach and that knowledge, be able to walk around, talk to these guys, and just have different conversations with guys that have done it at the highest level. So I love that Dion's doing this. I think that this is a huge plus for CU, and that this will help out with now this recruiting class, next recruiting class, by him doing this. Um, is Michael Irvin a top 10 receiver of all time in the NFL? Ooh, he's a Hall of Famer. Yes, he um, is. The, the, the triplets, uh, him, Troy Aikman, and Emmitt Smith, were as difficult to defend as any triple set. Uh, I've ever. Jay Novacek. He wasn't one of the triplets, but he was in there, and there was no doubt. Moose Johnson was in there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Alvin Harper. They had other talented guys, but the triplets were the stable uh, out there. And trying to stop those guys, stopping Emmitt Smith on first and second down, and trying to stop Michael Irvin on third down was a virtual impossibility. Um, and uh, my team's whether it was my Steelers in the Super Bowl, which we lost to the Cowboys, or my Seahawks when we lost to them, hey, they were good, man. And uh, Michael Irvin is a he's a top NFL wide receiver. Top five, I can't say. Top right five, now. definitely not. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the top, you know, the the all-time yardage leaders here. He's 29th. Um, but there's some tight ends ahead of him. He um, And he had an injury. You know, he had an 11-year career. Jerry Rice had a t- almost a 20-year career, but doubled him up on, on yards. No one's ever going to catch Jerry Rice. 22,895 receiving yards. Mm. Who's number two? Who is number two? I'll tell you next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Shade! God, it's a raid! week for a lot of Broncos, maybe not for some, but for one guy, well, it's a real big week and it might be too little too late, but before we get into that, I did ask you, yeah, you know Jerry Rice is the all-time leading receiving leader in the NFL, 22,895 yards in a 20-year career. That's pretty good. Yeah, Um, but the next guy, 17,492 in a 17-year career, I played against him. You played against him. Played against him many times. And you played against him, Chad. Care to venture 
a guess? Even though I told you during the Yeah, I'm not, I'm not such a great actor. I'll let you do it then, since you told Larry me. Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, yes. Uh, who did I play? <laughs> Bill Belichick? <laughs> <laughs> it's Larry Fitzgerald. And much actually has been made about how Larry Fitzgerald, late in his career, was moved inside to the slot. And that, and that created some longevity for his career. And some folks were thinking that maybe Cortland Sutton can move inside and do the same thing. That Larry Fitzgerald role. Well, Cortland Sutton's got to become a blocker. The, the part of the move to the slot, whether you're Hines Ward late in your career or Larry Fitzgerald, is because you're going to be counted on to be a point-of-attack blocker, like Cooper Cup is for the Rams. <laughs> right. Mm. Like the physically imposing Cooper Cup. Right. Who you don't want to see coming through that hole. He's but he you, makes the block. He's going to give you great effort, he's though. And just everything that he has. Yeah. Like, technique is going to be on point. He's going to get lower than the, the person he's going against. I mean, he does a heck of a job for, you know, his uh, size and stature. And you wouldn't think that he would be that good of a blocker. You know what I thought was pretty interesting in the, the last preseason game? And the first one as well, for the Broncos. They did a lot of that, inserting receivers, mm-hmm. but only with the with the twos and the threes. They did not do that with their starters. They did that with Jalen Virgil. They did it with... Don't you think like the, the third wide receiver is t- typically the guy that they do that? And I'm asking you yeah, this I mean, question. Well, ideally, you could do room. it with your, with your Cooper Cup. Yeah. You know, you can do it with your number one. That's what you hope. You know, if it, if it was Rod Smith out there, you'd be doing it with Rod. Would you, though? Yes. Like, if you're Sean Payton, like, do you want to put your number one wide receiver in that position where... If hey, he can you, do it. If he can handle I that. Close line I close-line by 340-pound D-lineman. I tangled Rod Smith all the time. Yeah. All the time. And he was clearly the number one receiver. I tangled with Ed McCaffrey, who was the number two. Those guys were staples as part of this offense. So, uh, they tried to block me every time I played this team. Hold on, but aren't we talking about something different right now? Like, okay, Rod Smith, wide receiver number one is going to end up on the the emo, right? The end man on the line of scrimmage. Right. But inserting, like, you're going in between, like, a tackle and guard now because that safety's down in the box. Are you necessarily doing that with wide receiver number one? Because it's different spots where, you know, you're talking about Rod Smith and all these other guys. That's on the edge. It's one gap over. You see what I'm saying? What I don't think they were inserting receivers the way they do it now back then. But later in my career, when I was, you know, a part of the Steelers, the Steelers were inserting Heinz Ward. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't going in between guard and center. He was going between guard and tackle. Guard and tackle, yeah. Tackle and tight end kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh... But it's still a safety you end up blocking. Yeah, Cooper Cup does it. He's the number one in the Rams. Yeah, no, I see it, and every time I see it, I'm, I'm like, okay, here we go. Is he going to get through there or not? <laughs> if I was a D tackle, I saw Cooper Cup lined up in between the guard and the tackle. On set hut, I'm going through that B gap, and I'm giving, like, I'm not even trying to touch the guard or the tackle. I'm just trying to hit Cooper Cup. There's a way to get after those. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, those guys come in motion and it's quick. It happens very fast. You know, they're not hang- they're not hanging out there very long. It's very, it's timed up so that right when he gets there, boom, he's coming through it. Mm. But you see, you see Brandon Ayuk doing it. Yeah, yeah, does you know, a ton and, of it. Yeah. Um. So the, so so if 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 Jerry Judy could do it, they'd put him they'd put him through there, and that would open things up. Corlin Sutton as well. You want to see your two guys do that, but we'll see if they are able to develop that skill set. But because hey, there is a guy. On the Broncos, who's been thought of as a crappy blocker, not a receiver, but a tight end, who's been improving. And he earned the praise of uh, Sean Payton, and we're going to hear from that in a minute. But that's Albert Okawebenom. Albert Okawebenom. Big O, not Big O. Albert O, you're Big O. 
No, he's big. Oh, he is now, right? Yeah. He's yeah. a big dude. Oh, and when he gets running, it's it's a thing to watch. I mean, he's a fantastic athlete, but he hasn't been able to to get the run game down, and he's been inconsistent with catching the ball. But he's had a really good week. Um, but here is Sean Payton talking about how it's a big week for everyone, not just Alberto. Everyone, right this time of the year, with you know, call it a week before the final cutdowns. Every everyone understands what's at stake. You know, the players as well as the coaches and front office people. So all these snaps are important. All these snaps are important. I just have to address something on the text line really quick. Some folks, a couple people think Cooper Cup is a large receiver. Someone saying that he's 6'2", 210? That sounds about right. What? No, Cooper Cup is not that big. He's tiny, all isn't right. he? Let's see. Isn't he? I've been I calling his game since okay. Washington, I mean. since he was at uh, Eastern Washington, so... Let's, Cooper let's Cup, 6'2", 210? Yeah, he's, he's a decent size. He's no. definitely not a small receiver. What? I, I thought he was... He looks like a jitterbug, dude. No. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup is 6'2", 208, according to ESPN. So the texter's right. No way, man. Yeah, yeah just looks smaller because he has an insert. I mean, I have 6'2", wow. 194. On uh, Wikipedia. Okay. He's bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean. Wow. He, you know how it is, Nate. I mean, you get by that line of scrimmage and all of a sudden you look tiny. No, I just thought he was a smaller yeah. smaller receiver. Bigger than I thought. So, he's bigger than Jerry Judy. Mm. Jerry Judy's like a six foot 190 guy, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He's right in the middle there. Uh, but as far as Alberto goes, because Alberto was the star of the day yesterday, and it wasn't even close. He was the only guy on offense really making plays, and he had probably three touchdowns. He was running free. A lot of this was play design and some really good concepts where he was, you know, just wide open. Um, but um, you got to give some credit to Alberto. And here is Sean Payton giving a little bit of credit to Albert. Oh, okay. So we don't have the audio for that. Um, but um, Sean Payton was asked if he thinks. Tight end Albert Okwebenam has made progress over the last week. He said, quote, he has. I thought he had a good week last week. He had one of his better weeks, so hopefully we can continue that trend, end quote. Is it too little, too late for Albert O, Big O? No, I don't think so. I mean, you just talked about it, Nate. He was running around balling out there yesterday. Albert O possesses a certain skill set that's going to help a football team more than hurt them, I believe, when it comes to scoring touchdowns. And I watched, you know, even before watching, I, I heard Chad talk about Alberto flatbacking somebody out there at practice. Then I wanted to see if that was going to transition to the game. Well, does Jaleel McLaughlin run to the left? I watched Alberto take the defensive end to Emo eight yards down the field. I was ranting and raving, jumping up and down my living room screen because I'm rooting for the young fella because if he's out there and on this football team and can prove to this coaching staff that he could be out there for first down, second down, third down, I think the Broncos are a better team with him. I think he's got the most big play potential in the tight end room. I know Greg Dulcich is probably Dulcich? faster. I think Dulcich is faster, mm. but Alberto is, you know, it's maybe low per- lower percentage than, you know, some of the other guys. But as far as big play, if there's going to be a 40 yard play from the tight end room, my guess is most likely going to be Alberto than anybody else. Well, it's, it's a pretty packed room there, and I don't know how he's going to get into it. Adam Troutman is uh, probably the perceived starter, the kind of the all around tight end who can do it all well, nothing really, really well, but he's consistent and he can do any any play you draw up, he can run that. Then you got Greg Dulcich, last year's third-round selection, right? The Broncos' second selection in the draft, but the third-round pick, Greg Dulcich, who has flashed and was a a productive pass catcher last year in only 10 games, was injured a lot last year, and thus far he's been healthy, so that's a good sign. 
And then they and they got Chris Manhurts, who they signed in the offseason to big the, to be the big road grading blocker. Nate Atkins is a guy who's who's been steady and has impressed some folks. Some folks, I, for, I forget who it was. I think it might have been Troy Rank said he thinks Nate Atkins might be a dark horse to make the team. Cecil yesterday was saying that if they're keeping four, it's Nate Atkins. It's right. not Albert O. Right. And then you got big Tommy Hudson, number 87. He's a big dude out there, so he's kind of a bruiser. I think special teams is going to be the hinge for, for one of these guys. I mean, can Albert O play special teams? He's got the body for it. He's got the speed for it. Doesn't it make it, a, isn't it a little bit easier too for him to be able to have success on special teams rather than, you know, put your hand in the dirt, be that end guy in the line of scrimmage. Now you got to go block those outside linebackers, block those defensive ends. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's more about your athleticism, you know, and your hips and you got to run a lot and you're, you know, you're, you're on punt protection, for example, you got to protect. So you got to, you got to, you know, shuffle back. But then you got to cover at the punt 40 or 50 yards. He's an athlete who can do that. Um, kickoff return, there's a lot of space. Whereas when your hand's in the dirt next to a big dude like you, there's not a lot of space to work with. It's about your strength and your technique there. Um, so, but, um, but you have to perform on special teams, you think. If you're Alberto, you're going to make this team. It has to be on special teams. He had a big block, too, with the Julio McLaughlin return. That went to about midfield. Yeah. He had a big block on uh, that kickoff uh, return team as well. So today's a big day for Alberto, and tomorrow's a big day for Alberto. And I would imagine if, if he gets cut, some team's going to want that dude. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I didn't see a better tight end on the Rams yesterday mm. than Alberto. Maybe they see something. That's what I was saying, man. You're, you're interviewing. These next, this, yesterday and today, you're interviewing for two teams, right? Uh, here in a couple of days when you play against the Rams in the game, you're interviewing for all 32 of them. That's what, uh, so a couple times I was, I was having to perform in that last game. I talked to you guys about that before. And Gary Kubiak would tell us, you know, he'd, he'd send all the starters out of the meeting room. They'd get to go home, watch some film. And all of us who were playing for our job the next night, he'd give us that same speech every year. And it was, look, it was that, it was that one. You know, it's not, it's not just for this team that you're trying to perform. It's for the 31 other teams. Everyone's going to be watching it tomorrow night, guys. So go out and have fun. We love what you guys have done all camp. You've done everything we've asked you to do. If we could keep every one of you guys, we would. There's always that speech. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But um, but we can't. we got to cut some of you, so leave it all out there. Go put some good stuff on tape, and I think the same message applies to these guys, especially Albert O. He's made a lot of progress. Just leave it out there on the field, Albert, and you're going to be just fine. All right, guys. Good guys car show giveaway time. The 25th, 25th Good Guys Car Show is coming to the ranch. Events Complex in Loveland in September. Grab your family and your friends and head out to the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland the weekend of September 8th through the 10th for the good guys. 25th Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals presented by Griot's Garage. (laughs) See over 2,000 of the country's finest 1998 and older hot rods, trucks, customs, muscle cars, and classics on display. Experience a tire smoke and burnout competition in a Nitro Thunderfest Vintage Dragster Exhibition on Saturday. And on Sunday, see which rides take home the top awards of the weekend, including the Builder's Choice Awards by Eric Pratt of Pinky's Rod Shop. For complete details and to register your vehicle or purchase tickets, you can visit goodguys.com. That's G-O-O-D slash G-U-Y-S dot com. But right now, I'm talking right now, guys, we have a four-pack of tickets available to give away to caller number four, so pick up the phone right now. 303-713-1043. All right, what's up with Russell Wilson? What's going on with Russ? How did he perform yesterday? How's he going to do today? And what's his mentality going into this? We'll talk about that next.